my wife is a really great baker and cooker, and I don't know if they're proper words, but she just does a great job with all things food. And uh, one of the things she cooks so well is Italian food, and it's just incredible. And so we have a lot of Parmesan cheese on hand around the house. And a few weeks ago, my nine-year-old Landon went to the fridge to get something out, and he accidentally knocked over almost an entire bag, a Costco-sized bag of Parmesan cheese all over the floor right in front of the fridge. So he looks at Kelly and says, I'll clean it up. She goes, okay, well, I'll kind of let you have this, you know. And so he runs into the garage and grabs the broom, and he comes back, and he's doing a pretty good job. He's, you know, Kelly's telling me later he got a lot of it into the garbage can and stuff, and then she kind of left the room and then walked back in to see him sweeping a bunch of it underneath the fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's something about Parmesan cheese. It tastes great, but it doesn't smell all that great, especially in large doses. And so I didn't know what had happened. I walked into the room about an hour later, and Landon was gone at school, and and I walk in, and, and it smelled so strong, and I didn't know what it was. I, I honestly said to Kelly, I think someone may have stepped in some, some dog stuff. You know, like it, it just smelled that bad throughout the house. She said, oh, no, Landon spilled it under the fridge and swept it under there. Like, oh, my gosh. And so I then spent the time. Unfortunately, my fridge was leveled, so it had the stabilizing feet, so I couldn't just pull it out or roll it out. So I had to get my tools. So this becomes like a whole 45-minute process of, you know, making sure those levels are, or the feet are brought up. I can wheel it out. I go ahead and vacuum everything up, and I swift, and I put it back, and I re-level everything just to get this stinky cheese out from underneath the, the fridge there. And I think as we kind of kick off this series talking about sin and temptation, it's a lot like that story. I think some of us, if we're honest, we've been kind of sweeping our sin and temptation under the fridge for a while. You know, we just sort of, eh, I don't know if I want to deal with it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to kind of deal with it. And so sometimes we just sort of look at the things going on in our lives that Maybe we know we shouldn't be doing, or we know probably God doesn't want us doing. We just sort of just, uh, just kind of tuck it away for a little bit, you know? And if, if we're honest, some of us in the room, we've been doing that for a really long time, and our sin stinks, doesn't it? In fact, that's one of the things I want you to grab a hold of in this series, just simply, that sin stinks. That so often we look at it as it's this amazing, you know, life-changing, wonderful thing in our, in our lives, but man, so often... Our sin comes back to bite us. In fact, if you need any proof right now, you could talk to a guy named Harvey Weinstein about that, couldn't you? A guy who has spent decades doing what he thought he had every right to do and now is sitting in a jail cell or will be very soon. Another guy, sadly, you could ask, is a guy named Bill Cosby, who, again, just for decades did what he wanted to do and thought that things were going pretty well, and then it came back. Man, those guys will tell you, sin stinks. And so, I don't know if you've been sort of sweeping some stuff under the fridge or if it's been there for a while or, or you know, I, I don't know. I, I think all of us probably have areas of our life where this is something that we struggle with. And I'm just, I, man, it's time to face that. It's time to do the hard work and get the tools out and, and, you know, go ahead and pull the fridge out and let's get to all that stuff. Let's get to all that temptation. Let's get to all that stuff that's been stinking under there for so long, making a mess in our lives. I'll tell you right now, you don't like the stink, and neither do the people who live with you or near you, the people who live around. I didn't just move it because I didn't want to smell that. I moved it because I didn't want my family to have to smell that either, and the people closest to me. And often our sin stinks not just for us, but for those in our lives as well, doesn't it? So how do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome these things instead of just sort of hiding them away a little bit? What do we do to stop wrestling with this stuff? Or maybe I shouldn't say stop wrestling with it, but, but stop giving in to it. And so we're going to work through this in these coming weeks. And some of us, 
we just sort of go, Doug, you know, this just seems kind of impossible, though, because some of us would say, my whole life I've wrestled with the same thing. My whole life I've been dealing with these temptations the same way. Some of us would say, I've been greedy my whole life. I don't like it. I'm not proud of it. I've just been that way. I've been jealous my whole life. I have been a gossip my whole life, you might say. I've been looking at images on computers I should not be my whole life, or, or even back to teenager when it was just magazines, or as soon as I could get my hands on it, it seemed, that's as long as I've been doing this, you might say. And so what is that thing? What's sort of that Achilles heel? What's that temptation that comes at you? And again, just sort of maybe not dealt with with as much urgency as it should be. Or maybe some of you in the room would say, but Doug, I'm in the fight. Like I am, I'm in the battle. I haven't really been sweeping it under the fridge. I've just been struggling to overcome it. Like, how do I do that? What will actually work? And though we're never going to get this perfectly, right, we're going we're to have some issues in our life until we see Jesus face to face, we certainly can grow in our ability to overcome the sin struggles in our lives. And so we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. And I think it's so important to talk about because God wants us to have some victories in our lives, doesn't he? God wants us to overcome some of these temptations and some of these struggles that we might wrestle with. He knows that sin stinks, he knows how deadly it can be. And so if you're like Landon, sort of sweeping things under the fridge here today, I think that this will challenge but also encourage you and give you some things to kind of seek your teeth into. And if you've been in the fight and in the battle, I think it'll give you some things that might just help in our battle with temptation and sin. Before we get to the approach that we're going to talk about here today, I just want to throw out there that I think one of the best approaches when you and I are faced with temptation is to speak the word of God, is to speak scripture. The, reason we're, the only reason we're not doing a whole part of this message series on that is because I've told you guys that so many times. I don't, you know, don't want to get up here and preach a whole other message on that again because you know this. Many of you know this. If you don't know that, and maybe you're newer, this is something I'd love to have a conversation with you after. What does that look like? But just getting God's word in our heart and then speaking that out is one of the main things we see in scripture to help us overcome our temptation, and it really does help and so I just want to put, out, put that out there first. But, but now let's really get to, to what, what, what we, wow, I'm going to get this out one way or the other. What we want to talk about here today. And there are lots of things we could talk about when we discuss temptation. But today I want to talk about one of the things I think is least talked about, but incredibly effective as we face those battles in our lives. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, what I hope today you'll see is, yes, how to overcome some, some maybe sin struggles or temptation in your life, but also I want you to see something incredibly powerful that Jesus has done with sin. Okay, so we're going to start out in Luke today. We're going to look in chapter 19, and we're going to see a powerful interaction that takes place between Jesus and somebody that he encounters along the way. And here's what I have to say there, okay? Some of you guys are new to church, and we love that. It's so great to have you here. Some of you guys are brand spanking new to all this stuff, but many of us in the room would say, man, I've been around a while. And some of you guys would say, I grew up going to Sunday school, or I grew up going to vacation Bible school as a kid. And some of you guys, when we start to read the story, you're going to say, oh, I know this story. Like, I learned that when I was like three, you know? Like, I remember there was even a song that went with it, right? And some of us might be tempted to tune out and dismiss what we could see here. But I just want to tell you today, I think we missed some things in VBS. I think we missed a couple of things in Sunday school about the power of this story when it comes to dealing with our temptation and our sin struggles. And so look what it says in verse 1 here. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So we're talking about this guy Zacchaeus a little bit here today. And that's who many of you are familiar with. 
But don't kind of tune out here because there's so much to learn about overcoming temptation in this simple story that many of us learned as kids. And a few weeks ago, we talked about tax collectors. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And some of this you may remember, but man, tax collectors had a really bad reputation. They were hated, actually. Why were they hated? Well, first off, who likes to pay taxes, right? None of us like to pay taxes. All of us can't stand April 15th because that's tax day, right? That's the big day. And and I actually think it'd be funny. I was thinking about this this week. Wouldn't it be fun just to kind of mess with people to actually celebrate tax day as if it were almost like Christmas? Like, wouldn't that, just to mess with people, like, what if we just started walking around like, Merry Taxmas? Like, like, wouldn't that just be so much fun? Can you imagine, like, the smiles we would get, you know? Like, we'll have a big Merry Taxmas service, and we'll invite everybody, and, Mac, you know, Taxmas Eve, we'll have the band do a big special, you know? Joy to the world, my money's gone, you know? It's the most horrible time of the year. It'll be great, right? It'll be really fun. But he's hated because who likes to pay taxes, right? No one likes to pay taxes. And so you saw Zacchaeus come and you knew you were going to owe some money because he would tax you on goods and things you were bringing in from one area to another. But it goes way beyond that. In fact, tax collectors were known as sinners. Like literally, there was a saying back in the first century. There was a grouping. They would bunch two groups together, the tax collectors and the sinners. The tax collectors and the sinners. And so literally, that vocation was known with the word sinner always attached right next to it. And so we want to talk about a guy who we could learn something about, temptation and sin and overcoming all that from. It's the guy who was known as the sinner here, Zacchaeus. Tax collectors were thieves. They had no problem ripping people off. Tax collectors were Jews who worked for Rome, so they were seen as traitors by their own Jewish people. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So he was the boss of all the other people ripping everybody off. That's who Zacchaeus was. And if that weren't enough, the name Zacchaeus actually means just and pure. And so here you have this guy, and back in the day in the first century, everyone knew what your name meant. That was a big deal to them. Like probably none of you know what the name Doug means. I'm not going to tell you. It's kind of embarrassing. But back in the first century, everyone knew what Zacchaeus meant. And so they're looking at Zacchaeus going, yeah, just and pure. Right, ripping your, ripping your own people up. That's just and pure. Living that way? Okay, that's just and pure. Nice name there, Zacchaeus. So what hope is there for this guy to change? He's been doing this his whole life. And, and, and I'll just throw this out there. Nobody answered at the first service. I had to kind of prod him on a little bit, so I'm expecting an answer here. What was Zacchaeus' main temptation? Wow, okay, repeat. What? Greed, right? Greed and money, right? That was his thing. That was his fill in the blanks. Zacchaeus, what do you struggle with? Money, greed. So, so there is really so much to learn as we look at this guy about how to overcome the temptation in our lives. Funny thing about Zacchaeus is he's been doing things his way for so long. He's been sweeping the cheese under the fridge for so long. He hasn't realized something. His way doesn't work. His sin doesn't work. His temptation, the things he's been given into, the things he's been living for, they're destructive. And guys, that's some of us here today. Some of us need to see ourselves. We are Zacchaeus. We are almost known or associated with a certain word, a certain phrase that describes us. We've almost known it our whole life or maybe several years of our life. So many young people in the room, man, the last several years of your life, you are known by this one sin or this one temptation. And it feels like it owns you. That's who Zacchaeus was, that little guy that we used to put up on the final graph boards in VBS, right? Who knew? Who knew there was so much to discover 
in this familiar story. Here was a guy who was hated by everybody. I mean, think about it. One of the ways that his sin was stinking up things for him was that, I, I guarantee you, man, this guy wasn't getting very, very many social invitations. This was probably a very lonely guy, a guy who had no hope in God or no relationship with God. And some of us have just failed to see that our sin stinks. And yet there's an answer to it. There is an answer to overcoming so much of the temptation in our life. And we're going to see how this all plays out. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, could not see over the crowd. So Jesus is famous. I don't know if you've ever been at a parade or something and a famous person was walking by and you're trying to, you know, see and you just can't see through the crowd. Zacchaeus was just a little guy. And so he's hoping to see Jesus and just get a glimpse. So he decides to do something radical. In verse 4, he says, He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Up on the screen is a picture of a sycamore fig tree. And I just want you to imagine you're in the crowd that day and all of a sudden some leaves and some sticks start falling on you. You're like, what is going on? You look up, you're like, isn't that that tax collector guy? Like, what is Zacchaeus doing up in the tree? But there he is because he's desperate to see Jesus. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Wow, Zacchaeus must be floored by this. He must be thinking to himself, doesn't he know who I am? Maybe he, maybe he hasn't heard yet that I'm the chief tax collector, the chief sinner of our area. Maybe he doesn't know what I've done, how I've been a traitor to our people. Maybe he doesn't know that yet. But he gets this invitation from Jesus you might be sitting here going, Doug, what does all this have to do with overcoming temptation? Let's watch how this all unfolds. unfolds. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus jumps out of the tree. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes when I read Scripture, I picture it in my head. And, and whenever I picture this story, I always imagine Zacchaeus jumping out of the tree, but he doesn't make a smooth landing, and he just kind of falls flat on his face. You know, I have no scriptural biblical truth to back that up with. I just think it's kind of fun to think about him laying down in the dirt and possibly Jesus just looking down, shaking his head. And Zacchaeus jumps up and goes, here's my house. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go this way. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. This is interesting. You ready? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? Think about this. You ready? All these religious people who have been sweeping their sin under the fridge, look at Jesus and say, why would he go hang out with a sinner? Not interesting. Are we sometimes like that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you should be listening in right here because here, here is Jesus, the Son of God, going, associating, spending time with a sinner, a known sinner. That's good news for every one of us here in this room. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up. So they're in the house now. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and I have cheated. if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I guarantee you every jaw hit the floor, eyes got big, people doing double takes. What did Zacchaeus just say? What did this guy who's been owned by money his whole life just say? What did the chief of sinners the chief of tax collectors just say, before their eyes, everybody, you ready for this? Before their eyes that day, he has just overcome his main temptation. How? How did this all play out? I can tell you exactly what happened. And this is where we should lean in because this is how you and I overcome the temptation in our life. 
What had happened to Zacchaeus? What made him one man this way up in the tree and another man just a few minutes later? He had seen Jesus. He had seen Jesus. Now, I'm not just talking about the fact that he saw him with his physical eyes. We all know that. Duh, dog. He climbed up a tree and he saw Jesus. No, that's not what I'm talking about. He saw the real Jesus, not just the skin on. He saw the Son of God. He saw the Savior of the world. He saw grace, love, unconditional love. He saw mercy. He saw hope. And when he saw Jesus, clearly the death grip of that temptation fell right off him. And he instantly says, here's been my temptation my whole life. Take, take, get. And now I'm going to give. Can you imagine if you and I could begin to live in the exact opposite way we are currently living when it comes to that main temptation in our life? What does it take? It takes seeing Jesus. It takes seeing him clearly for who he is. The more clearly we see Jesus for who he is, the more clearly we'll see our sin for what it is. Zacchaeus realized something. He saw the Son of God. He said, oh my gosh, all the ways I've been living, all these things that gnaw at me and claw at me and try to get me and own me, they're worth nothing compared to having Jesus. How could I even ever choose sin over Jesus? Zacchaeus' spiritual eyes were open and he saw all that God offered. And he realized, why would I settle for less than him? Why would I settle for less than what he would have for me? Why would I do things my way instead of his? The story continues, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I want you to think about something really powerful. For the very first time in Zacchaeus' life, his name was true about him. Just and pure. But he wasn't just and pure just because he decided to change and he gave all his stuff away. He was just and pure because salvation came to his house. He was saved now. See, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus today, I don't want you to think that I'm telling you, hey, be a good person and try to change yourself. I want you to see today, you desperately need a savior, a savior who can change you. And that's why Zacchaeus was just and pure now. Because Jesus had changed his life and saved his soul and removed his sin. And so here is this incredible strategy we see. I just have to see Jesus more clearly. The more clearly I see Jesus, more clearly I'll see my sin for what it is. I'll begin to understand my sin stinks. My sin is giving me nothing. My sin is destructive. But here's Jesus offering hope and life and peace and joy. What a different way. Zacchaeus spent time with the Savior and his life would never be the same. The closer he got to Jesus, the more his temptation Paul tells us basically the same thing. He says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is where we all go, that would be great. I would love to throw off all that sin that entangles and I would love to just run this race toward Jesus, my Savior. But Doug, how do I do it? Well, Paul tells us in the very next part, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. There it is. Paul tells us to do exactly what Zacchaeus did. Get your eyes on Jesus. When you see him for who he is, your life will be transformed. 
And this verse tells us that Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So it makes perfect sense that when you and I are struggling in our faith and we're struggling with sin and temptation, that getting as close to him and seeing him as clearly as possible is the answer to all of our, all of our battles, right? The word pioneer in the Greek means one who begins or originates. So Jesus began our faith process. So who better than to help us when we're struggling along in that faith process? In fact, if you think about the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus was so clearly the originator of Zacchaeus' faith, right? I mean, yeah, Zacchaeus climbed a tree, but he was planning on just watching Jesus march on by, and Jesus stops and goes, hey, come down here. Jesus was the originator of that story. If he hadn't stopped and told Zacchaeus to come down, Zacchaeus never would have had a faith story. And I'm just here to tell you today, Jesus started your faith story. Like if you are following Jesus today, it's because he originated in your heart. And so who better than to run to and to say, God, I got to just see you clearly right now because this lust is pulling me this way. This jealousy is pulling me this way. This anger and unforgiveness is pulling me this way. If we could just see the pioneer of our faith, those chains more and more begin to break off your life. In my life, he's not only the, the pioneer of our faith, he's also the perfecter of our faith. In the Greek, the perfecter means one, I love this, who brings to a successful conclusion. I don't know about any of you, but aren't there times where we wake up in the morning and we go, man, I, am I going to make this? Life's really hard, and the things that I sometimes do seem to be so opposite of what God would have me do. Am I going to make this? Like, am I going to cross that finish line? When I die, am I going to go to heaven and see my Savior in the face? Or man, am I going to fall away? Well, I'll tell you what. There's a perfecter of your faith. There is someone who in those dark times and when we're having those questions and when we're facing those big, huge temptations, there is a perfecter of our faith who says, oh no, I will successfully carry this all to conclusion. You wait and see. But you got to be near me. You got to be close to me. That's how this will play out. See me clearly, Doug. I'll motivate you. I'll empower you. I will keep you. He says the same to every single one of us. Be near me. I've said it this way in the past. It's not try harder. It's get closer. Let's get closer to Jesus. See him for all that he is and watch the difference it'll make in your life. And this is what he did in Zacchaeus' life, right? This is the transformation that took place. It was that nearness, that time spent with Jesus, him seeing Jesus for who he was, and all of a sudden, the temptation of greed lost its stronghold. And so what I think both Zacchaeus and Paul help us understand here today, it's very simple, but it's so powerful. The more I see Jesus, the less I'll want sin. That's what I want you to grab a hold of today. The more I see Jesus, the less I'll want sin. The more clearly I see my Savior, the less all those other things appeal to me. Because I see how beautiful and amazing and wonderful he is. I don't know about you. Your pornography is not offering to save you eternally. Right? Your jealousy is not offering to rescue you and give you peace and hope. Right? All those other things, money and stuff, and all the gods we have in our life, none of them say, I'm here to save and rescue you, give you peace and joy. I'll put your marriage back together. People in the room that are a little bit younger trying to figure out life, I'll give you direction. I will lead you. I will walk with you through life. None of our sin offers that. The more I see Jesus, the less I want sin. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound weird at first, and maybe some of you guys will be tempted to throw something. Just hang in there, all right? Our goal is not to stop sinning. We should stop sinning. 
That's what the series is about, right? It's about temptation. But our goal is not to stop sinning. Do you know what our goal is? Is to see Jesus clearly. That's the goal. That, that's the bullseye. I mean, we should have it on our list of goals to stop sinning, yes. But the bullseye, the how to stop sinning, is seeing Jesus clearly. What made Zacchaeus stop sinning? Think about it this way. Zacchaeus, the morning of his, his interaction with Jesus, he didn't wake up and say, man, I got to change. I got to change. You know what? This greed thing, this money thing has such a hold of me. I have to change. No, he just was going on his day the way he normally did, and he saw Jesus. And everything changed. So your goal, when it comes to overcoming temptation, is just to see your Savior more and more clearly and watch the way it'll change your life. When we see Jesus, why would we choose what's worse, right? When we see the beauty of Jesus and the, and the love of Jesus, why would we choose for what's less than that? We're going to go really deep here for a second. We're going to get real theological. I don't want to lose anybody on the way. Stick with me, okay? Here's my, my big theological statement for the morning. I will never eat McDonald's again. Everybody okay? You still with me? I will never eat McDonald's again because I've had Chick-fil-A, right? Very simple. And I'm not just saying that because half our church is employed by Chick-fil-A, okay? No, I, I, I didn't wake up the first day I had Chick-fil-A and be like, man, I got to stop having some McDonald's, you know? Like, I, I, did, I just had what was better, and what was better helped me realize why would I ever go back? I hope Facebook, they're not watching, McDonald's not watching, we get sued here, right? But the same is, is true with our Savior. The same is true with, like, either we choose Jesus or we choose sin. Like, like it's just simply one or the other, right? We choose Jesus or we choose our temptation. We, we go yes to our Savior or we sweep under the fridge, right? So what are we going to choose? Why would we choose what's worse? College students, middle school students, high school students sitting in here today. I could, I could take you back 20 years, 25, 30 years. I could take you back to decisions I made when I sat in your seat. I could take you back to, to things that were impure that I looked at and did. I could take you back to things I said and did. I could take you back to attitudes of my heart that still haunt me to this day. Because I was sweeping stuff under the fridge when, when I didn't realize my sin stinks. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't be a four-year-old with regrets about the things that you have the power now by God's grace and strength in your life to overcome. See him clearly. Make that the goal of your life. Make that the point of your life. Our goal is not to stop sinning. It's to see Jesus clearly. And so we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's what Paul said. Throw off all that stuff that entangles. Notice he said it so easily entangles. It's true. Sometimes we give sin an inch and it takes a mile, right? It so easily entangles. That's why we got to be so, so vigilant and so ready. And so he says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Maybe we need to climb some trees, people, right? To see our Savior for who he is. Do whatever it takes to spend time with him. And in that time with him, we will see what he's like and we'll see what our sin is like. We will discover he is simply better. We did a series years ago called God is Better Than My Sin. It doesn't get much more clear than that. He just is. He's better than my sin. And so practically, I think this works two ways. How do we see Jesus? How do we do this, though, Doug? Like, what does that look like? How do we see Jesus? Well, I think it's two things. First of all, we need to see Jesus every single day. Day to day, we need to see our Savior. We need to see him. And so how do we see him? Well, we're all a little bit different, and so I think some of us see Jesus through different means. 
Some of us, we're all about prayer, and, and we begin to pray and spend time with God in prayer, and it's like everything comes back into reality, and suddenly we're seeing clearly. And so every day, you and I, we need to be speaking to our Savior. We need to be talking to God. Some of us, it's, it's the Word of God. And really, I think, you know, we communicate to God in prayer, and we hear from God in prayer, right? Or, well, yes, prayer, but also the Word, right? And so we need to be spending time with God every single day. Like, that's Christianity 101. If we're not doing that, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. Some of us are struggling so much with sin and temptation because we haven't seen our Savior lately. We haven't seen Jesus lately. So, so day to day, we have to be in prayer. And we have to be opening up the Bible. Like I said today, we'll give you one if you don't have one. We'll even help you understand a good place to start reading. But that is going to be so huge for us. And I know it sounds so simple, but what if I didn't talk to my wife for a month? What would happen to our relationship? What if I didn't talk to my wife for even a week? We'd be in trouble, right? i got to keep that conversation alive. And we've spoken a lot in this church about keeping that conversation going throughout our day, too. So I'm mowing the lawn yesterday because I'm a genius, and I wait until it's 9,000 degrees out to mow my lawn, right, yesterday? Can't wait till tomorrow when it's going to be probably like 70. But I'll tell you what, I'm praying as I'm mowing the lawn, right? Because I can. Because I can. Why would I not? I, I could talk to my Savior while I'm out there. I'm going to probably meet him soon anyway. It was so hot, right? But, but I, I can talk to Jesus anywhere I go, whatever I do. I have a good friend who told me recently, life is so crazy for him right now. He just jumps in his car and he just goes around and he, he just prays driving around. What a great thing to do. Well, what, what is it in your life that helps you see Jesus? Some of us, it's, it's nature, right? Get outside. Just look at, this, look at the stars of the night, man. I, that always speaks to me. It always brings my world back because now I'm going, wow, look at, look at my Savior. Look what he's done. Look at how he's called out every star by name. So powerful. Some of us love music, and so it's going to be spending time just worshiping God or listening to music that's going to edify our soul and our heart. Some of us, it's other people. We thrive and we see Jesus in community. When we're with other people who love Jesus, so we need to see Jesus every day. Journaling, writing, what is it for you? What's going to get your spiritual eyes seeing your Savior? That has to happen every day. Because the more we see Jesus, the less we'll want sin. And then the other thing is that we need to see Jesus in the moment of our temptation, right? And so, yeah, I'm going to be seeing Jesus every day. And we're spending that time with him, getting near to him. But in the moment of my temptation, I have got to dial in. I have got to. I've got to be drawing on the word of God in my heart or taking my phone out and looking up a few verses in scripture, right? I've got to be talking to Jesus in those moments of extreme temptation. I've got to maybe be calling up a good friend if it's this severe. I've got to be calling up a good friend saying, I just want to let you know I'm about to make a terrible choice right now. Would you pray with me? Would you talk some sense into me? Would you remind me why Jesus is better than what I'm about to do? And so day to day, and in the moment, day to day, and in the moment, I've got to be near Jesus because my sin stinks because Jesus is so much better. When we see Jesus, our sin will become less and less appealing. And that's what some of us need right now. Our sin just feels so big. It feels so powerful. It feels like it's so attractive right now. The more we see Jesus the less our sin will appeal to us. I can tell you from just personal experience, there have been many times I've been angry, I've been depressed, I've been jealous, I've 
had unforgiveness in my heart. I've, I've wanted to respond. And I've just gone out for a prayer walk. And I come back a different person. I come back a different person. It wasn't the walk. <laughs> it was Jesus. It was that time seeing him clearly. Last week, I went through a couple of days of just such deep discouragement. And I opened up Scripture, and I spent like 15 minutes just reading the Word of God. And they weren't even verses about discouragement or this or that. I just, 15 minutes, and, and I literally like put my phone down and I literally was a different person. Like you could have asked my wife who spent the morning with me. Like I was one way for like three, four hours and suddenly I was me again. And I had the joy of God again. And it was just so powerful because seeing our Savior makes all the difference. So what is that temptation for you? What is that struggle for you? And how do you see Jesus? Those are our two questions. What's my temptation and what helps me see Jesus? The more I see Jesus, the less I want sin. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I hope you've heard us talk, yes, about overcoming sin and temptation, all that good stuff. But I hope, like we saw just a little while ago, you are hearing loud and clear what Jesus has done for you. He died on a cross. He rose back from the dead to defeat sin, to defeat hell, so that you and I could know a Savior. And our sin is nothing compared to that Savior. So we'd love for you to begin a relationship with Jesus today. We'd love for you to put your trust in him, to begin a conversation with him. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a few minutes. But I hope today that, man, we will wake up and stop shoving our sin and our temptation under the fridge and say, today I go to the garage, I get the tool set out, I bring the feet up, I pull the fridge out, and I let Jesus have access to all that mess under there. My sin's been stinking for too long. And I hope now we move forward. And yes, we'll struggle once in a while, right? And yes, we'll fall. But that's what the grace of Jesus is for. We've got a new strategy day to day with Jesus, in the moment with Jesus. The more I see Jesus, the less I want sin. Let's pray. God, we're grateful to you that this is the God we serve, that this is the God who wants a relationship with us, one who wants us to make it, <laughs> one who wants us to be carried through success, successfully to conclusion, God, that, that your heart for us is to have victory. Your heart for us, God, is to have life. Your heart for us is to not give in to the devastation that sin brings. And God, we just pray that you will help us and so if you're a Christian, what, what is that thing, man? If you had to write down on a piece of paper right now that thing that's owned you for decades or a couple years or maybe your whole life, what would that one thing be? Because that's the thing that God wants access to. And that's the thing that's going to change when we see our Savior. When we stop trying to get past it and we just try to get near our Savior stop trying to overcome sin and we just try to see Jesus clearly. Would you pray about that struggle? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you just to pray something quiet like this. Jesus, today I realize how much I need you. Today I realize my sin stinks. Today I realize that you love me, that you desire a relationship with and that you want access to my life. You want to change me for the good. 
My whole life I've lived for me. My whole life I've done things my way. But today I surrender all that. And I ask that you allow me to do things your way. God, show me how good you are. Show me you are better than my sin. Help me see you.